Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Urbex. The deal about Airbags is that you go to places that you cannot go, the public cannot go, you're not allowed to go. When it's security, closed gates, dogs, those are the type of places I really like to go. I, on a weekly basis, talk to passionate people who, because of this hobby, have super unique experiences because you meet people along the way. There's always so many different stories. We really like to preserve those places. I must say this took um, this took everything I had. And, and when I woke up there, I, I was crying when I saw them because this it felt like the, the sense of achievement to, uh, to do this was, uh, was simply insane. Those are clips from my interview today with Greg Abandoned. No, that's not his real name because he is part of a subculture that you heard briefly about called Urbex or Urban Exploring. And this is a community of people that travel to explore abandoned places that are sometimes extremely difficult to find all over the world. And this conversation has so many different levels to it. You're going to hear, of course, about... Urbex, get a little 101 on that. The styles of Urbex, like rooftopping, tips for finding interesting abandoned places when they aren't publicized, some of the secrecy and the code of conduct in the Urbex community. And we also get into some of the philosophical stuff around abandoned places, that beauty you see in the decay. Others might see it a little bit differently, and you can see a lot of that in the photos. If you want a visual guide to go along with this, I encourage you to check out gregabandon.com. Check out some of the photos there that he's taken of these places. And in this interview, we get to, you know, kind of live vicariously through some of his adventures, some tense moments when he was arrested and interrogated, and so many other stories along the way. And what's nice about this is urban exploration is not a one-size-fits-all type of situation. You might be one of those people that takes it to the extreme, like Greg, or perhaps maybe you're going to enjoy doing some mild version of this, just getting introduced to a whole other subgenre of travel, a way of thinking about what destinations you want to see and different types of places to see and what you can encounter along the way. So many parts of this make it well worth listening to. And of course, Greg's passion and how this was really something that helped him find himself or rediscover himself in many ways. So all of that 
happening in today's interview. I know you're going to love it. Plus, I will share a little bit of my urban exploration experience. It's very, very light. I will warn you, so don't expect any crazy stories. But this happened many years ago in the city that has the most neon lights. So you'll hear about that. Plus, I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in this community who found a unique way to bring their life on the road. And it made me think of four words that I'm going to share that may, in fact, be a springboard to somebody out there listening and help them find their next version of travel. Perhaps. It's always possible. So all of that happening in this show and much more. It's a great one. Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. How are you doing today, my friend? As you heard at the top, we're talking abandoned places today, and this got me thinking about maybe... Where does the excitement of this topic come in for me personally, or or maybe for anybody? And I think uh, there are a few different parts of this. One is just adventurous travel, right? Going to places where not a lot of people visit, hard to find places, uh, places that are unique, places that are not only unique in and of themselves, but that can give you a unique experience traveling to them, maybe going through some places that you wouldn't normally visit, all of those elements. And if I take it back even further, one thing I just thought about when I hit record on this was, wow, when I think back to just being a kid, and we can all think back to being a kid and and that mentality of getting out and exploring. And whenever you find a new place, whether it's some fort in the woods, or if you grew up in the city, you, you know, you have your own versions probably of that. And I think every kid has come across, you know, old railroad tracks or um, some old shed somewhere or whatever, these places that kids tend to hang out because they know no adults are going to be around. There's that excitement of being in a place that you kind of have all to yourself. That's not a place where a lot of people are. And perhaps it may be that childlike wonder inside of me being reinvigorated in this interview. And it's always nice to live vicariously through another traveler, another adventurer. I am not going to do some of the extreme things that Greg has done. I'm just not. (laughs) But it's really cool to talk to him and hear what that experience is like and to be able to kind of walk in his shoes and, and live through that. And also at the same time, just discover more of the world and get a bit of an education around this subgenre of travel And it really has made me consider maybe the lighter versions of that that I can get out and explore in different places. And seeing Greg's photos on his website, of course, you can check out gregabandon.com. If you want to go to his Instagram page, you could see some of the shots he's taken in some of these places. Really spectacular. And you can see that beauty in the decay as he describes it. And if you want to go deeper with Greg, he has a podcast called Chasing Bandos. You can find all that 
info on his website. And don't forget to stick around after the interview. I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in this community who left me a voice message and shared how they were able to take their life on the road. And this reminded me of four simple words that may be the next version of your travel life. Who knows? I'll talk a little bit about that on the back end. Plus, share my very, very light (laughs) version of urban exploration I did in the city with the most neon lights. And perhaps you can guess which city that is. Now, let's slip and slide into the interview segment, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff. Liftoff. Roger roll, Atlantis. Well, I'm excited to talk to you, man, and I see the clock on the wall. It's 7 p.m. for you. Yeah, it is. Afternoon for me. You're in you're in China, right? Yeah, I'm in Beijing. Yeah, nice to meet you, Jason. Yeah, I, uh, you too. I'm in China. Mm. You too. Um, of course, I'm on with Greg Abandoned here, which is is in an alias. Is that right? As far as everyone is concerned, that's my real name. <laughs> <laughs> Enough okay. said. Yeah. What are you doing in Beijing? What brought you there? I tried to escape toxic England. I had enough of that. And I decided that um, I, I'm, I'm a teacher. I teach math, uh, believe okay. or not. And so in terms of like earning decent money in the field that I'm doing and also at the same time having holidays, a lot of holidays, Chinese holidays and Western holidays, put all of that together. It, it's really a great deal here. Um, because I can make decent money and I have time to travel and yeah, basically that. Well, where did you grow up? So I, I'm originally, I was born in Poland and I, when I was 19, I think 18, 19, I moved out as soon as I reached the age of conscious, conscious. I, I really need to get, get out of Poland. I mean, I hear, I'm here. I haven't been there for like, you know, 10, 15 years. I hear people are saying it's, it's progressed and it's a decent country. And certainly with the recent event in Ukraine, like how the Polish government, is trying to persuade Germans to like bring not just the helmets and everything. I, I mean, like, and and with all the refugees they're bringing, like, I, I'm I'm actually quite quite proud to to say I'm Polish, which I maybe <laughs> didn't have a lot of chances to say that in the past. But yeah, I moved to England. I, I have double nationality now, and I fell out of love in England, and I moved to uh, to China now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's I mean, just what like, brought you to? But but why England? When when you were oh okay 18. so of of all the well, places you could go in the world, well first first of all like I needed to go to an English speaking country uh, and uh, England I was obsessed with football when I was a kid I I was out all the time playing football and you know what just there's something about those British stadiums and the atmosphere and the t-shirts the t-shirts are so nice I think it's the it's the black borders around the names it just they are like clean and they're just nice to look at uh, from like an outsider perspective. This must be, I must come across as a mentalist right now. But yeah, I, when I was a kid, I, watch, I would religiously watch Premier League. So I decided that if I go to England, I uh, would either go to Glasgow or Manchester. And it's actually, I, I really base my decision on football. I loved Celtic Glasgow. I loved it. Um, and 
I also like Manchester United. But I was afraid of Scottish accents, so I decided to go to Manchester. Little did I know Manchester <laughs> up north, the, the rough accent there is it's something else. But yeah, yeah, that was my decision making, basically, to, to move to England. <laughs> I love that you still stuck with your childhood fantasy, right? You're like, well, I just... I'm just obsessed with football. I'm just going to go to the Premier League, right, right to it, where where it go, where it all happens, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, when I was at uni, I actually worked at Old Trafford. I, like I was, I work in the kiosk. I was selling beer and burgers and hot dogs. I mean, oh yeah, and I would, I, I went to Premier League stadiums, and it was literally like fulfilling your childhood dream because. It just, yeah, it, it was insane. I, I loved it so much. <laughs> I haven't seen a football match in two years. Basically, since Corona happened, it kind of like, it was like a light switch moment for me. And I, I just kind of lost interest, which is super surprising because I was so obsessed with it before. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, things change in life, right? You get a different interest sometimes. I'm the same with American football. I never thought I would go a week without seeing the Philadelphia Eagles play a game. And now it's sort of, yeah, I watch the highlights on Monday morning when I can, because I don't have time for, for that stuff. But wait, wait, so I wanted to ask you about the timeline of your life, just so I understand you were in England. How many years were you there and how many years have you been in China? Or was there some traveling in between just kind of getting a, trying to get a sense of where you've been, what you've been up to? Oh yeah. Cause you're looking at me, you're trying to figure out how old is this guy, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So essentially I think I spent in England about 15 years, uh, before moving to China. Yeah. Okay. 15, and then how many years in China have you been now? So this is my fourth year now in China. Fourth, fourth year. Okay. Mm, yeah. How are you finding the Chinese culture versus the culture in England? Oh, oh, wow. Um, it's you know the the very first days i i still remember it. it it's like coming to a different planet from the outside world when you come to china and especially for me the little information that i i i knew about china i i didn't even know like i only knew like there's a city called beijing and shanghai and i knew there was like something something there's something going on with hong kong like that's my the 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 knowledge that i had I'm literally oblivious to what was happening in this part of the world and coming here i was i would say they kind of opened my eyes to the fact that it's not only they doing their own propaganda, media, how media deliver things. When you come to this part of the world, you quickly realize that the things that we are told in the West, they're not exactly the way they are. That the West, the our side of the world, is also doing the propaganda. They always have. There's always some sort of agenda to deliver certain information in a certain way, uh, which was really fascinating, actually, to 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 learn. And everyone else has a different perspective. Everyone has uh, different opinions, and they can vary from where you where you are. Really, again, this is going to be a naive question because I've never been to China, and I've I've never thought about doing work from there. But for, for the type of work you do, and you know, on calls like this, and I mean, you always hear everything's monitored, and certain things on the internet are restricted. Is there any worry about? You know, someone coming, <laughs> knock on your door right now. Like, hey, he's doing one of these podcasts. We've had enough of this guy. 
Get him out of here. Well, yeah, yeah. I was think I was thinking that, but you know what? I was already arrested by Chinese national security for what I do. Uh because I, I can't flew wait to hear drone. that story. <laughs> I, I flew a draw over the secret military base because like yeah, I I I did some crazy shit in my life. And so you quickly realize that, you know. This stuff, you know, I don't talk about politics on my podcast and I would not be able to um, have those conversations because I don't really, I mean, I actually do like this topic, but I don't think I have enough knowledge to be able to share opinions about things like this. My podcast is about urban exploring, about urbex and other stuff. But so, so which I we're going to get into big time today. Mm. By the way, yeah, of course. Thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> yes, uh, that's. I mean, that's a big, the biggest top. That's the topic here of the day. <laughs> Something like flying a drone over, <laughs> over a, a military base. You must have known. Obviously, there was a, a risk there, but it, it was that part of the thrill. You know what? It's actually some of the things that happened to me. Those kind of, I would. I would put them under that kind of umbrella of like negative things that happened to me. Well, they were before I was either silly or I was reckless. Um, for example, in Arizona, there is the biggest plane graveyard in the world. And some of the planes are there are stored because they it's like the safest place to store them. Um, they don't get resty in that sun. Some of the parts uh, of the uh, of the of this um, place uh, there are storage for like uh, only abandoned place, abandoned uh, planes. And one day I was researching places in China, and I came across an article that would that was describing this Arizona graveyard, and it make link to a different uh, graveyard in China that someone on satellite mode spotted a huge amount of planes and they shared the link, shared the, 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 the satellite picture of it. And so the author of this article thought that he found a graveyard like the one in Arizona. And China is obsessed with America. They love to compare each other. It's always, it's always that. And I took that article and I started doing my own research. Obviously, the, the person just mentioned the province, mentioned a couple of things that I, I had enough time uh, and dedication to actually find this place. And when I found this place, you know, you're looking at the satellite mode and it's like hundreds and hundreds of, pla of planes. So... So I just thought this is a graveyard because this this article suggested that. So I had nothing else to go on. And when and when I went there, I I must say it was um, a real, little bit reckless. I I really don't do this, but at the time I think I spent four hours in the car, uh, driving from one place to the other, and I was exhausted. And there was it was really in the middle of nowhere, the bumpy roads. I was so tired. And when I got out, uh, the wall was maybe up to my neck so i could just like see the top of the planes and for very first red flag that i had was that the cockpits were covered there was a cloth over them and but at the time i was just like oh it's okay so i normally what i would do i would i would 
go far away from the location and I fly my drone sometimes to just recon the place to find a possible entry way. Or sometimes I would go to a place, explore it and afterwards fly the drone to take some drone pictures. But this time around, I just like, I just complete idiot just stood there on the street, started flying a drone and, you know, um, I'm, I'm flying and I'm trying to get my drone to like beginning so I can have all this epic vertical shot of all the planes lined up. And all of a sudden there is a truck inside driving. And I'm like, well, wait, wait a second. Why is someone driving in the graveyard? And then there is a column of soldiers mar- marching. And I'm like, this is not abandoned. And I'm trying, and I'm like, uh, uh, what do I do? What do I do? And then in that moment, uh, a soldier appeared on the scooter, by the way, on the scooter, uh, appeared in front of me and told me to, uh, f- you know, bring the drone back. So it was two minutes. It was two minutes and they, they got me. <laughs> and then they arrested you. And how long did that whole interrogation take? Oh, this was this was a nightmare. I was there with my now ex-girlfriend and uh, bless her. I mean, this was, uh, this was insane. Um, so they took us to this like how would i describe it this was like a it was just bun- like bunch of rooms but there was it was everything was super old it was like a, a, some sort of station at the edge of the base super basic furniture something like you would imagine from like a, a 1970 soviet russia style furniture you know and there was a lot of waiting um, they interview her first because um, they wanted to uh, basically. W- they, I think what they wanted is they wanted to see if we're going to say the same story. So they interview her first, and then I was I was there. They because she was Chinese, they didn't even offer her any water, anything. So when I walked to a room after waiting for like I think four hours, waiting the whole thing was ten hours, and. Um, she was just sitting there so fragile and just so tired. And at least they gave me a bottle of water. So I offered her a bottle of water. And then when my integ- integration starts, it was actually quite fascinating to, to look back on it because there was this little game that was being played in there. They, um, they had this woman on the laptop and there was a guy in a white shirt collar white color, no insignia, nothing. And that's where I realized later on that this was like national security because it wasn't like military. Um, I mean, I could be wrong here, but from what I've learned so far, that would be my safe, safe bet. They used my girlfriend to translate. And that for me was, I just could not... Understand this at the at when this was happening, and I I was thinking to myself like how unprofessional are they to use my girlfriend to translate? Don't you guys have like a someone speaking um you know English in here to like do this professionally? But actually, that was a kind of like a genius move on their part. During this in 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 uh, in interrogation, um, there were moments where I was talking to my girlfriend or wherever, and. I just felt I just felt so bad for her, so bad because she had to go through all of this, you know, uh, because of me, because because I'm an idiot. So, uh, right. So, 
I was trying to like reassure her. And at some stage, I just kind of just made some jokes to, to just lighten up the mood. But when I made that joke, the woman sitting in front of me, uh, that one that was like some, that she had a laptop in front of her, her, my, her mouth, she smiled. And this is where I realized she can understand English. So what they were looking, they, what they were trying to see, if like between the questions, if I maybe say something to my girlfriend and say like, oh, how about we don't talk about this? How, you know, like if I mention a couple of things or if she says to me, hey, how about we don't mention that? But obviously, obviously there was nothing like that because all uh, all on my phone, on my camera, on my laptop, they took all of that stuff. I have like millions of pictures and evidence everywhere that I thought this was a plain graveyard and this is what I do. Even when they opened my laptop, it had a map, uh, like Google map with a pin of this place and it said plain graveyard on it. So everywhere, and I kept saying, and I kept saying, I thought this was a plain graveyard. I thought this it's is a plain It's a very good cover story, Greg. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I, you know, sometimes what I do, what I do is like, what I say to people is like, no, no, I am a spy. I just am a teacher because that's my cover, cover job. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's your Clark Kent. You're going to put the glasses on and teach physics or whatever <laughs> during the day and at night you go out. <laughs> and masquerade as a as a oh I wish, I wish <laughs> I wish <laughs> all right let's I wish. that's a crazy story let I mean you have more I want to hear them but I, I want to give everybody the 101 on this or I want you to give everybody the 101 on this because there's some terminology this is like a sort of a subculture of um, travel and exploration um, have a lot of questions around that but I thought you know just to start from the top down if you could kind of give everybody an overview on what urban exploration is or urbex, you know, some of the lingo, the unwritten code of conduct, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's that's a really good question, because uh, I think sometimes this whole thing is a little bit misunderstood. So urban exploring, there is a subgroup of urban exploring called urbex, and this is specifically for um, exploring abandoned locations. So there is different types of exploring. You know, you can do rooftoping. Uh, you can do exploring the cities, um, urban exploring. What's right? rooftoping but when you go to the rooftoping of an is building? No, no, no. People try to get on top of the highest buildings in the city. Okay. Yeah, like illegally accessing the roof. Of oh, the no, 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 no. You, you see, this is this is a bit of a sh sh shady, shady, a gray area. Now, urbex, the deal about urbex is that you go to places that you cannot go, the public cannot go, you're not allowed to go. Um, so for me, is I, when it's security, closed gates, dogs, those are the type of places I really like to go. Uh, the ones that are a little bit difficult to get in, the ones that require some sort of effort to get in. Obviously, if the place is wide open and there's no one there, I've done hundreds and hundreds of places like this where it's just super easy. You just walk in and there's a beautiful decay and all that. Uh, so that's that, that's fine. But what I wanted to say is that sometimes um, uh, people think that we like break in to to places that we go with a crowbar, break the lock, and that like a cat burglar. 
<laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I want to make sure that people understand that obviously there are bad apples everywhere, but I, on a weekly basis, talk to passionate people who, because of this hobby, have super unique experiences because you meet people along the way, people who maybe used to live there. or There's always so many different stories. And we really like to preserve those places. There's a lot of, there's a bit of a cloud of secrecy uh, around locations and that frustrates a lot of people that we don't share locations. Um, and we don't share locations because we want to preserve the places. It's not, some people call us like a, there's elitism going on. And I would agree there is a little bit of that, but I strongly believe that anyone can find uh, the places that I go to or anyone else. It just requires effort because if I can find it, that you can find it. But the thing is, if I spend, uh, there was places where I, sp where I looked for six months to find. So if I spend this amount of time trying to find a place, the likelihood of a person like this to go there and trash and destroy it, it's very minimal. But if there's some kids just ask you like, where's this place? And then you just give them, you know, they will not respect it. Effort equals respect. So I really try to promote the good values behind this. I would walk out from a place, traveling all day, miles, flying for five hours. I would go to a place and I would walk out if I cannot get inside. I mean, this rarely happens because like, there's always some sort of way in. You know, it just requires a little bit of effort. Like you put some... Um, some planks next to the wall. Maybe there's a window open on the second floor. It just requires a little bit of effort. We'll be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos, and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan 
Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now let's get back to the show. So what else? Um, yeah, um, take pictures, only take pictures and leave only footsteps. That's, the, that's kind of the code. I am very, very frustrated with explorers who um, either take stuff from abandoned places. I, there's, 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 that's a total no-go. You don't, you don't take anything from it. It doesn't matter what it is. For me, I don't take it. I don't move. Sometimes for the picture, maybe I would like move something if I want. If there's like a chair that's been pushed to the ground, I'll just put the chair back in just to take a picture maybe. So for just taking pictures, maybe I sometimes move things around, but I would not take anything. I would not destroy anything. Um, and unfortunately, I find out that people do. And I said, even had instances where my guests on the podcast would, I later on found out that they would do that and I would remove the uh, episode from my podcast because I cannot say those things. And at the same time, have those people on my on my pod where did the attraction to all of this start for you mm. so do you have do you remember I've, a specific time where or was it just a collection oh, yeah. of things that happened yeah okay. oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah so i felt like all my life i'm finding the the true nerd that i am that i am like um, isn't that part of life is just discovering your true nerd uh, maybe right? it could it could be but it was like it was i felt like in my life it's like i'm gonna make a, a math uh analogy here it's like a sign graph it's like okay. sorry like now you just lost half of your audience okay sorry guys come back come back are we talking calculus now here we go um so so i felt like i was so outgoing and playing football and then when i kind of moved to england i i i um got married and kind of my life kind of had took like a little bit of a dip and I turned into like Xbox gaming, obsessive kind of nature, uh, earning achievements, that kind of stuff. And I played this game called Fallout 3. I don't know if you heard about this game, but this game is set in this apocalyptic uh, world where everything is destroyed. The nukes destroy the world and you can go anywhere and explore anything. And you go to broken ass buildings and you look for loot, you scavenge, collect, that kind of stuff. And when I go to those abandoned places, I, um, I'm, I'm actually playing this video game in real life. It's like it feels like right, that. but that's a big jump between like doing that on the screen in some video game and then actually going out and <laughs> visiting an abandoned place. So how did you make? How did that yes, happen? Okay, yeah. Well, you are good. You are good because this is not just happened like that. 
I got divorced uh, when I was 32. I got divorced and this was like the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Uh, I have to thank my ex-wife for to, like, divorcing me. Thank you. Uh, because it, it was an event <laughs> that kind of... <laughs> there we go. Uh, you know what? Do you know, some, do you know what's, what's super crazy? Uh, we are recording this on the 10th of March. It's her birthday today. Oh. It's Happy insane. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. So she gave me the <laughs> ultimate gift of divorce. And yeah. And, what did that and, do? But, but this was, this was a, a big moment in my life. Obviously, this, when things like this happen, is very dramatic. There's so many emotions. I had this neighbor, and Andy, and... I remember at the time when I met him, it, it, I, met, I met him at the same time I was like going through all this. And when I added him on, on Facebook, I looked at his pictures and the person on Facebook was this handsome guy. He was this like, wow, this guy is so handsome. But the person I met in real life, oh my God, that was a wreck. So naturally, I am very straightforward when it comes to communication i said to him dude what happened to you uh, like look at your pictures like you something must have happened in your life and he told me a story of how he got divorced and he turned into drinking weed that kind of stuff and you know what this was like a moment where i felt maybe certain people appear in your life for a reason because i realized you know what i cannot turn into this guy I cannot turn into this guy. Roughly at the same time, there was this new guy that came to my, he was an IT technician, and he joined my school in London. And when I went to, uh, there was something wrong with my computer. I went to his office, and the first thing I see is a Fallout, that game, Fallout 3 poster in his office. So obviously, he was like me, obsessed with this game, and we instantly clicked. And then I told him, later on, I told him, man, you know what, my, 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 always my dream, always my dream was to go to Chernobyl. And Chernobyl just felt like this magical place. This disaster happened. 50,000 people had to leave. The whole town is deserted. It just feels like fallout. And he said, I cannot believe you saying this because I always wanted to go to Chernobyl too. So basically I have not found a crazy person like me, anyone else. And all of a sudden I have this guy. So guess what? We going, right? We go into Chernobyl. We book a tour, total tourists. We going there, but Chernobyl changed my life. I was standing on top of the buildings, looking at the panorama of this whole town covered with trees mother nature takes over and i'm telling you jason it was a light switch moment from that moment i looked at and i'm like there is nothing else i want to do in my life i want this i want to do this for the rest of my life i want to explore and find places like this i felt every single moment when i was there and was there for two days like i'm opening a Christmas gift every moment. It was insane. It was, I genuinely cannot describe. I right now have shivers on my arms when I'm talking about it. And from that moment, you know what it is? I, I just feel like I was lucky because many people live their lives without passions because maybe sometimes they have not discovered that thing they like. And from that moment, honestly, 
a lot of things that just, it doesn't matter for me. It really doesn't matter. The things that people care about, mostly I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care because it gives me purpose and I, I just love doing it. I love weekends. I love flying out to places, researching, finding places. And you know what? Abandoned places, man, there are everywhere. China, for example, it's, it's a gold mine for abandoned places. And, and, you know, my taste kind of progressed. I right now would say that maybe not every abandoned corridor creates the same emotions when, you know, when, when the first, as the first one, I, 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 I try to find the most unique abandoned places right now. And, uh, and yeah, I, I feel like the social media people sometimes have bad opinion about social media, but I feel like social media really, really helped me because obviously when other people like what you do and they appreciate what you do, I mean, it gives you motivation to keep going. And when I, cause mainly I post stuff on Instagram and then when I started doing that, I discovered there's a whole community of urban explorers, of urbex people who do this thing. And they are uh, like my family. Uh, some of the guys, I, I love them to pieces. They have so much passion. And they've been doing this longer than I, I do. And I love hearing their stories. And they really give me motivation to, to keep going keep doing it because i can just hear in their voice how passionate they are about something and it just gets me like oh no no oh okay okay great like i want to i want to do i want to do it i want to i want to go next next flight next next week and i want to fly somewhere i want to do something yeah it's contagious so, oh yeah yeah so i i love those guys to pieces thank you for sharing that i, I think it's a really special when you experience this this type of moment that you described at Chernobyl where it's, it's essentially, I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than it's like your soul's desire or maybe a hidden desire, maybe sort of there aligns with something happening in reality in a moment. And then it's just like, wow, this is, this is the thing. This is like my next path. And it's, it is like a light switch kind of, but, but it's a, a very body oriented feeling I feel it's like very sort of visceral, like, wow, I just kind of know on the gut level, this is, this is a thing I'm going to be doing. And you're, you know, for everybody that's different, but in your case, it's a urban. I think that's so, so powerful and transformative. Oh man. And if you know what, like everything else kind of like started to make sense, just like the books I like reading, the ones that create the emotion for me, like all those apocalyptic type of books you know Cormac yeah. McCarthy The Road um, and, yeah you're kind uh, of like looking back at the stuff mm, you were attracted to and piecing it together it, oh and the seeing, movies uh, right the, the movies yeah, yeah right. Mad Max Book of Eli all those kind of uh, movies that I absolutely loved it all kind of fits in and, and makes sense well let's talk about what you love about it because I think a big question and, and a topic that you address right on your your website is this idea of of beauty and showing people mm. what you find beauty, and you even mentioned this interview. I think uh, the words you use, which are really quite go quite nice together, is beautiful decay. Yeah, beauty and decay. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I mean, 
what is it about these places? Um, if you look at some of the pictures, I mean, and, and I do want to talk about social media because I know that there's a lot going on there and, and I want to have that discussion, but you're taking these incredible pictures of these places and, and you do want to be there. I think I can, I can see the, the appeal with the, you know, the, there's the adventure and the planning and there's a lot to it. You know, in the end you're, you're standing in the place and there's something about that that you find beautiful. And I'm just wondering what that is for you. And I'm not saying you're speaking for all of the urbex community, but I imagine that there are some commonalities amongst those in the community in terms of why they see beauty in these types of places. Mm. I think ultimately we are slightly weird uh, people uh, to be looking at uh, abandoned hotels. For example, I think it's fascinating. I don't. I don't find it weird, mm. but that's just me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so no, but it's just this um, this concept of this um, of like grass growing, plants sticking out from the carpet. Everything just decayed and destroyed i feel there is beauty in that and is sometimes is that sense of of like how did this happen a lot of the places have amazing stories of some sort of different conflicts or maybe someone tried to have some crazy idea of what they tried to build this thing in the middle of nowhere thinking that it will attract some attention but ultimately failed so there's this, there's, there are stories behind the places. Sometimes it is about a sense of achievement because some places are very difficult to get in and you have to actually overcome a lot of obstacles in order to get in there. And then you finally there and it's that relief and sense of achievement and you're looking at this place and it's, oh my God. Or maybe there is actually some sort of security that you had to avoid and you had to sneak and... So there's adrenaline pumping. There is sometimes I, I've been in situations where, you know, it's like almost like a James Bond type of movie where I, there is a guy I managed to get inside, uh, take my pictures, get out, and he didn't even know that I was there. And those are those little moments. But I um, I love taking pictures of those places. I really do. And I, I, just, I do see beauty in it i do see beauty there yeah i feel you're you must be very visual with the with the pictures you take and even when you were describing you know being in england one of the first things you said is you were describing how the jerseys on the on the players looked so you obviously have this visual kind of view of the world that's a good point yeah when i see these uh, abandoned mm pictures that you put up of these abandoned places and things and or, or you know you've come across these things and you see maybe some old railroad tracks or you know something that isn't really used anymore and then you like you said you see nature taking over or you know it's this juxtaposition of you know what what man humankind can make and ultimately like no matter what we do nothing lasts forever kind of thing so it, it, in a philosophical sense there's i feel like a lot going on when you just take in a visual of something abandoned and then and then you see that with nature and, and it's just all sort of surreal and like you said apocalyptic but part of the apocalyptic vision or, or concept i feel is just this idea that well yeah like even the roman empire fell right like i'm sure everybody when they were when rome was huge they never thought 
well, one day there won't be a Roman Empire. That 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 would have probably sounded insane to them, you know. But ultimately, in the end, I don't know how long, but a lot of the, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't going to be around that that is now, and it's 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 kind of a visual reminder of that. I think in many ways, for 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 our own situations. No, I you you did describe it beautifully. Yeah, yeah, I totally resonate with everything you said. Yeah. So, well, talk about the travel experience with this brand of uh, travel or this subculture. I, I, I mean, one of the reasons I was excited to have you on was was because you know we share a lot of different, obviously, perspectives and and different types of ways you can travel, travel experiences, and there's a lot that's unique around what you all do in the urbex community because um, you are not <laughs> going to the typical places, right? So anytime you're, you're sort of on a mission as a traveler, it, you know, you're getting a different travel experience. And, and I would say in this case, it's, it's a lot maybe different than the normal, you know, running the banana pancake trail in Southeast Asia or whatever. So I just wanted to hear some of, I guess, this specific uh, like unique travel experiences and stories you've had through urbex yeah you know what it's funny because i maybe speaking of china i maybe have been in like 150 cities in here um almost every single province not tibet and sometimes people ask me like oh have you been in this city and i'm like yeah what is it like and for me, that's a really difficult question to answer because I really don't know what they want to hear or what, how, how do I answer that question? Because I don't know what this city is like because I went to like some district far, far away from a city center or, or any civilization because those abandoned places <laughs> most likely are very, very far. And I just went there to, to visit that place. So I don't really know what the city is like. Because I will travel and spend all day either traveling and then being in that place. By the time I come back, all I want to do is just have a quick McDonald's, go to sleep so I can next day do the same thing. So uh, my traveling experience when it comes to visiting places, there's a lot of like being on the road. There's, you have to really be okay with this. Whenever people travel with me, I always really appreciate if I kind of bring someone along because to do what I do, it's like, you know, you see that picture on Instagram, but you just saw the last five minutes of this 10 hour journey. Yeah, right. It's not <laughs> glamorous. It's not glamorous. I would say this is probably on the other side of the spectrum. It is, you have to understand, I do, I would go, I would do anything within the laws of the land and well i mean anything i would go through ditch uh, mud climb the fence barbed wire fence i would do whatever it takes for me to climb that thing and get over it i go dirty i am constantly covered with it on my travels the thing is uh, what my travel is like my travel is going to a to 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 a shop and buying new clothes because the clothes i have i had to throw it away um every trip uh, probably i would end up buying new shoes uh, buying new trousers uh, so uh, but at the same time i've been in situations where 
I saw the generosity of people and I saw how genuinely people can people are and then can go out of your way to help you because you see in China you can because uh, where I China doesn't accept international driving license so I cannot uh, drive and um, I've been in situations where I, would, I was with people who are driving but sometimes we rely on this kind of um, um, car sharing um, app there's a car sharing app here called Dida where people travel and go to other places to other cities and you can just you know share the costs of that and people you can join so many times because the places are very remote i to actually get somewhere it's not a problem but actually to go back to the civilization it is a problem and also in china not every hotel is registered to accept foreigners so it's like they have a different license. So as a foreigner, I can only be accepted in certain hotels. And they are a bit of a, a better standard than like your regular. Because, you know, I when I travel, I don't care about the quality of my hotel. Because I know I'm going to be so tired. I go back, I take a shower and go sleep. I, I t tell, you, tell you this. For example, my friend Jojo, who is super rich obscenely rich she when we travel she always laughs about this because she would like she was like we stay in the worst hotels we eat mcdonald's uh, we get dirty she's wearing like gucci uh, shoes but she gets like super dirty and all that stuff and i think maybe that's why she kind of loves doing this because it's so different to her real life uh, where maybe she can actually like finally like be herself or like let it go of all that stuff. But yeah, so the the traveling is really unique. I was once in this place where um, there was it was abandoned temple. It had a statue of a huge Buddha fallen down on the floor. And I when I saw this on Google Maps, I thought to myself, oh my god, like the drone picture of that is going to be amazing. So I travel like. Thousands of miles south China. I'm I'm in Beijing, so I've traveled south China to get there. I got there at um, they had some COVID cases on in the cities nearby. So during the taxi ride, he told us to get off because he said I'm not going there. I'm not going because I have to go through this city. So we had to like get off in the middle of nowhere and try to get another transport because this guy decided that he doesn't want to go there. Anyway, we go there. I film it. I take pictures. And then I was I was thinking, I was like, why? Why is it? I had this at the back of my mind thinking, fallen Buddha, like Buddha on the floor, I think is like bad luck. There's something going on. It shouldn't happen. It, it felt like it's been pushed to the ground. So uh, we started walking around the nearest village and just asking people, do you know anything that why why did why this happened why this and you know people so generous and they would advise invite you to your house give you some tea uh, share stories talk about it obviously i do attract attention because i'm you know the white dude in china so obviously this is positive and negative sometimes but people are super generous so the amount of experiences like this, or I went to this abandoned tem temple in the mountains. We met this like a uh, boss of the 
whole village he um has this like a cherry plantation or something and he would invite us to keep he bought us lunch invite i felt like half of the village he, we started drinking soju which is like a 70 percent vodka at 12 o'clock believe me i was dead after a few few of those so there's a lot of those different type of experience i felt i feel that i wouldn't have if i just kind of went to museum and 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 don't get me wrong i don't i mean i don't go to museums with few exceptions but um there was for example terracotta army in xian the the um, um, the statues of the soldiers right i went there because i thought it was magnificent and it dis- didn't disappoint me it was w- one of the most amazing things i've ever seen in my life so maybe it links a little bit with what we talked about before about those eerie places i think it's also the silence of it and the fact that you are there by yourself and i don't have to buy the ticket to see this thing yeah yeah mm. it's your it's your museum <laughs> mm. <laughs> when you and, get there and you know there's no guide that tells you stuff like you actually go and explore by yourself and you try to find little cues or like maybe what happened here why is this here mm. why is it like that you know mm. yeah I saw the picture you posted of the abandoned Beijing 2008 Olympic Beach Volleyball Stadium and something about that picture I thought that's kind of depressing I mean it is depressing in many ways to me some of the other pictures, I think, oh, I see the beauty and the decay, but some of it is also kind of depressing, like what a waste of resources and money. And what are your thoughts around that? I mean, the human waste, it never ceases to amaze me. The amount of waste that we manage somehow to produce. I would say that one for sure, but the one that got me really was the, was the car graveyards. The old electric cars, cars, hundreds and hundreds of electric cars, and they just where got was that in China? Okay, <laughs> China. In China. Okay. Yeah. I, was, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. You see, the reason I stopped you're allowed to say the because, country, right? I mean, the, you're allowed to say. Well, I technically, I technically don't, but it's it's pretty straightforward to figure out because. You know, I live in China now. Sure, yeah, it, it is in China. It is in China. I just really feel so. You see, maybe this is something about me, but I do feel like, like very sensitive when pe- people ask me about the location. I understand. It's part of your code, man. It, on daily basis, people ask me, "Where is it? Where is it?" On, like, it, it? There's not a day that goes by that people don't ask me, "Where is it?" So it just, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. It is in China. It is in China. It was um, really. Um, insane place i couldn't believe it i just couldn't believe it how does somebody get started in this like let's say somebody's listening and they're like well you know what they're not going to do the extreme you know travel thousands of miles and research someplace for six months and crawl through the mud and and climb a bywater fence and all that but they're like hey you know this is this is pretty interesting I want to kind of dip my toes and, and do a little urbex light where i can maybe go to some known places that are still cool to see. And I mean, I know you can do tours at Chernobyl, for example. That was something you brought up. Are there any other sites, places like that, that are sort of more maybe common knowledge, a bit more accessible that people listening that might be interested in having an experience like this can can maybe get started with? 
Oh, for sure. For example, in the United States, uh, there are a few places where the owner would, uh, you pay him like 40 bucks, 30 bucks, and you just have a free reign in that place. Um, I think there are many places where they are much, much easier to do. And what I would say that if you, if you, for example, stumble across uh, a gallery of a explorer on Instagram and you saw his account and they have, you have those beautiful pictures and you want to experience this for yourself. I feel like if the, the person that would start this, I think it needs to be a curious person, first of all. Like if you are a curious person, I think that's kind of like first tick, tick box for me um, to get into that. And I think, you know, what what I would say, I think if you type like abandoned places in your city, you're bound to have, you're bound to find something online. It's just, it's just don't expect to ask Urban Explorer and they just give you the coordinates. It's just, <laughs> that's just not going to happen. Against and the code. if there are, if there are any listeners uh, who came here from my podcast, I would say uh, ask Bill Finnan. There is an explorer in America who is um, on a different uh, spectrum of all of us. He's the one who uh, likes to share locations, and we uh, really don't agree with him. But he is a, a legend. He's an absolute legend in our community. So if you want to find some uh, really uh, straightforward, not difficult places to um, to visit, just uh, just find Bill Finnan, and then he will tell you right away. Within five <laughs> seconds, you will know. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Let's talk about social media a bit because I know you, you, know, you said on, 
on your website, you said, quote, I can't stand mass tourism, standing in queues, waiting, buying overpriced tickets, dealing with the crowds. Get out of my frame. I'm trying to take a picture. How many times have you screamed that to yourself? When I go exploring, I feel transformed, end quote. And, you know, well, I don't know if you know this, but I was looking this up. Instagrammable, you know that term, uh, mm. actually officially entered the dictionary in 2018. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I know you have 100,000 plus followers on Instagram. You got some beautiful photos there. And, you know, there's that, that's the, the double-edged sword with social media, right? You talked about being able to connect with the community and share and inspire and, and all this stuff. Uh, but then you could also look at some of the places around the world that are quote unquote Instagrammable have now because of that turned into these mass tourism type of places. So how do you reconcile those two things? I'm really glad that you asked that question because I very frequently ask myself or ask my guest a question. Are we ultimately are to blame for the future demise of those places? Because my experience shows me that those popular places, especially in England, Europe, and in America, they get trashed very quickly. It's like the flavor of the week is this place, and there's hundreds and hundreds of explorers, especially like North Pacific Northeast or Northeast of, of America. There's a big congregation of explorers there. And so that's one side of it, and maybe that kind of secrecy of not sharing it um, or maybe maybe waiting a little bit, not like going this weekend and posting next day, maybe waiting a little bit to, to, uh, to, to post the pictures. I think that's kind of would be um, advisable to do. Also, I mean, you know, many of those things kind of don't really apply to me because um, I'm in China. Um However, I can see this hobby almost didn't exist four years ago in China, and there's so many explorers, Chinese explorers here at the same time. Um, there was this one explorer, English explorer, that gave me a little bit of a different perspective on uh, on this whole idea. He said to me, James Kervin, he said to me that, you know, sometimes uh, those places, they bring... Um, some positives. So, for example, there is a very famous casino in Romania, absolutely insanely beautiful building that, that's been abandoned for years. But because of the pictures of different explorers visiting that place, um, I believe it was Sony who decided to film an ad in that place, a commercial. And because of that, they brought the revenue to that place and the place is being restored. So that's one positive thing. There were other places, similar places. There is a UFO building on top of the mountain, UFO-like building on top of the mountain in Bulgaria called Buzluja, which has been a symbol of like the Communist Party back in, back in the days in the 70s, 80s in, in Bulgaria. And it's after the fall of the Soviet Union and when Bulgaria became a democratic country, uh, they, they, they totally abandoned that place. And this place has this huge, beautiful mosaic around, the, uh, around it. And, you know, because this place was super popular and so many people 
wanted to go there and take pictures of it and so many people went there they actually brought attention to this place and now this place is being renovated there's actually actively right now a group of people who are trying to restore it and some places you know some owners i feel like they may be a missing a trick instead of spending all that money on security or trying to prevent people going somewhere how about you open on every other saturday you open the place and and actually if there's such interest in the place that people want to go i'm sure you would find like some i would like okay maybe i wouldn't do it but i think most people would like pay 20 bucks and just go in and 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 take a picture of uh of a place i mean i'm very specific because when i understand yeah you're 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 more of a purist it doesn't like if if it becomes if it becomes like touristy place that I I live with switch off uh, at that moment because I, I I don't know but the places I I talked about after doing them the urbexing ur- them I think that's kind of a verb that we invented urbexing ur- them I would love to visit them and see what how they changed just as a regular tourist and you guys don't even share the locations amongst each other if you have. Good, a good friend so, in the community who so, you know. So good, good urban explorer, good urban explorer. They won't ask you, like they won't ask oh, okay. me. Yeah, they just don't ask. They yeah. would, they would, they, they want would know. to in their heads. They're like, they if, he, if they Greg would. could just tell me, this would be a lot easier. <laughs> ha- however, however, there are people that I know that I feel um, that those people are so passionate. Um, if they ask me, I will tell them. I mean, I am not going to tell some random person that just asked me because I got those questions all the time. But the it's somebody you're tight with that you respect. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and you know what? Many times I was in a situation when I would see a place um, that, because sometimes you can recognize certain architecture from a different country. So I just remember instances where there was clearly from France, uh, places from France, and I would I know some French explorers, and I would just send them the picture and say like, "Wow, look at this one!" And what I get in return is the coordinates. And like, well, I I didn't ask you for it, but yeah, thank you, <laughs> you know. So, um, but it is it is. Um, I lost friends because of this. Can you believe it? Hmm. Because they wouldn't. You wouldn't tell them. Because you know, I I would. Um, in China, we have this thing called WeChat, and it's like a Chinese mobile Facebook. It's like you use it to talk to people, but at the same time, you can like post pictures, like things like you would normally do on Facebook. And so I would um, obviously would, when I would go somewhere, and sometimes would post some pictures in there, and people would ask me, oh, where is this? Because, oh, this is so cool. I want to go there. And and then like, how do I explain this to people? You know, like, how do I explain <laughs> this to them? It's like, well, like I don't really want to tell you because if I tell you, then you tell someone else, and you tell someone, and then eventually it's just gonna be ruined. And so people just get a little bit offended about that sometimes. And um, and yeah, and yeah. Well, I mean, good for you for sticking to your your code of conduct and your your ethics amongst the community. I mean, I think that's. Or maybe there's something to be said there across all of travel, right? Like maybe, maybe something should be kept. You know, it is this line of sharing and also 
perhaps keeping some things to yourself. <laughs> I mean, obviously you guys have reasons for that specifically with these places, but I'm talking generally with travel. That's another sort of gray area, right? There's, there's, there's a lot of in between there. Do you, do you take all these photos that you have on your Instagram feed? Yeah. Are these all your photos? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Incredible, yeah. man. Incredible photography. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not good with receiving compliments, but thank <laughs> I think I've I've been I've been I've been kind of learning as I as I go along with it. Um so I wasn't born with it, you know. It's just like <laughs> I like drone. I like drone photography as well, you know, because I, I feel like with drone photography, for some places you can really showcase the the the, the place. And I like to take pictures of places where you you can't really tell like this could be anywhere in the world that kind of that kind of place yeah i encourage everybody to go check it out i mean at least check out the photos oh, so i mean kind. It's so, so, kind. so many surprising i mean i didn't expect that somebody could find like an abandoned rocket ship a space rocket ship like i didn't even think that was even a thing you could do. i was waiting for that i mean i understand I like waiting. a stadium or some other some of the other things but what? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was I was waiting until you get to the uh, space shuttles. Yeah, this because um, is this? Are you talking about the uh, abandoned Chinese rocket? Are you talking about? Well, I see a couple. I mean, there was the sp the space shuttle. Mm. It looks like the space shuttle. Yeah, it it was it was real space shuttle. I was inside, sitting in the astronaut seat. Yeah. Not okay. Many so many people can say they sat. In the space shuttle. <laughs> uh, well, I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this. In the urban urbex community, we do have certain places that everyone knows about them, and we call them urbex holy grails. Now, um, you could bring up the abandoned uh, city of... Famagusta in Cyprus. Uh, there is obviously Chernobyl. Uh, there's the Hashima Island, the battleship island. James Bond movie was filmed there um, in Japan. Uh, there used to be this super famous uh, abandoned roller coaster, wooden ro roller coaster in in Nara. It's called Nara Dreamland. Now sadly demolished. However, there is one place in the world. Um, how do I describe it? Well, uh, after the collapse of Soviet Union, Kazakhstan became an abandoned, became independent country. But since the since uh, that the Russians they sent their rocket to space from Kazakhstan, it's the place is called Baikonur, Baikonur Cosmodrome. Man, if if you were into like space and stuff, like I'm sure you would know about this. Um, so Russia had to make a deal with Kazakhstan, so they actually rent. Uh, this land from them they they do that and uh, so technically inside the kazakhstan there is a russian territory so and if you want to go there you actually have to have a visa to russia once you're inside the kazakhstan if you want to visit that place it's a functional city that goes around this whole russian space program and a lot of the american 
astronauts who would fly to the International Space Station, they would also sometimes go to Kazakhstan and fly a rocket to go to go to there. Um, Russia is actively trying to change this and move it to um, inside Russia, so this base is slowly, slowly dying. However, during Cold War, when there was this big race uh, to send someone to to the moon, um, Russians. Uh, developed their own space shuttle and it was called Buran, which means blizzard. And they actually um, took the, because when you look at it, you, you must think like, wait, this looks like NASA. This looks exactly like a NASA space shuttle. Now, n the blueprints for NASA space shuttle, ha they've been av widely available at those times. So Russians just took uh, those engineering um, notes and they improved it and they actually sent this space shuttle to space and what is super super impressive this is the 80s technology they send it to space it orbited the earth once and it was remotely controlled without anyone inside and they uh, landed successfully um and there was another one that was supposed to go to space, but then the Soviet Union collapsed and uh, they stopped financing this program. And ever since then, uh, the ever since very early 90s, in the hangar, on the edge of this base, and this base is a military base, there are two space shuttles sitting there. And there's another building that has a, a, a rocket. Um, that rocket would be attached to the space shuttle as a, you know, the fuel would be in the rocket and that would propel the rocket, the space. The, the so you had to get the, into a military base to get to this? I had to walk for 40 kilometers in total in dark in the Kazakhstani desert to get to the edge of this Russian military base and get inside that hangar. And I spent two days inside. Uh, so I. Um, I I understand this is not for everyone. This was this was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I have been preparing for six months for this. Um, last three months before doing this, I would pack my bag full gear, and every Friday night I would walk around the city until five a.m. in the morning next day, because um, I really? wasn't an ex. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I really did. <laughs> And um, I was not an expert on hiking and, and things like this. So, you know, I, I, at the beginning, I thought to myself, like, well, it's, it's just a hike, right? It's just a hike. But obviously, I, 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 I have, I have um, interviewed people who have done it. I've interviewed Russian explorers who've done it before me. And they told me that, you know, it's not the hike that kills you, it's the bag. Because that bag will absolutely destroy your back. So well, don't you, you have, have to bring to... all your water? Because yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That's the thing. So all the gear, all the cameras, that kind of stuff, all uh, all that stuff, and um, and yes, so distribution of weight is important. Don't put all the heavy stuff at the back, and how you clip your bag, everything's chopped on, and you basically kind of need to train yourself to do this. So that's what I uh, I, I did for three months, and. You know, I, I saw a progress within that, um, but I must say this took um, 
this took everything I had. And and when I woke up there, um, I I was crying when I saw them because this it felt like the the sense of achievement to uh, to do this was was simply insane. I'm walking in there in the middle of the night and just putting my flashlight on them. People might be laughing if they heard me saying this before, but this is so huge, man. This play, this this shot, this space shuttle is so huge. It, it's the picture can never tell you, describe how how huge this place is. The hangar, even the the engineering that goes into building this hangar, with all this equipment and all the stuff on the on each side and this huge door that would open obviously was closed but the the in, in those back back in those days it would have to it was just magnificent this was i just could not believe it i there is an explorer called bob tisson and he was kind of a little bit of my legend when i was starting up and way before i even started exploring i saw an article of him and few guys jan El- elhoy the super legendary explorer from from um uh from denmark and those guys went there and i read this article about those guys hiking through the desert and going there infiltrating this abandoned um space um uh, this warehouse this the space shuttles abandoned space shuttles and I just, I just, there was something for me that was like unreal, out of this world, and I couldn't believe that someone did this. And a few years later, like Bob Tis and Jan Elwood was like my buddies, you know, <laughs> and and we we talking all the time and exchanging pictures, exchanging stories, and all that stuff. And yeah, so it's um, in it's bit of a bit of a turn in my life with this, and this certainly is a place that um everyone wants to do but i would say like be be careful i was super lucky i've heard i because on my podcast i have mini series so buran is one of the mini series because i interview people who've done the same thing and i love to just compare the stories like how was this for you versus to what i experienced and the experience are so different some people, you know, get caught. Some people don't. Some people experience uh, the the soldiers coming in, waiting. There was a my my friend uh, Nick Wonder from Denmark. He went in there, and they had to like lie still for three hours because the guy with a Kalashnikov went inside and just decided to just be there and wait for three hours before leaving. And they even sealed they sealed the window that he managed to get through. So on his way out, he got just trapped inside. He had to find some different way through the basement, completely different way to get out. And yeah, so it, it's insane. It, absolutely insane stories with that place. Um, wow. To be honest, anything space-related, I just get like butterflies like uh, there's something okay, that yeah. ex- excites me excites me so much have you been caught or arrested a lot or no i have yeah um obviously we mentioned the the the, the national security thing in china that happened uh once i was caught in england um uh, i was in this old people home that was closed uh, as i was climbing 
into the uh, in, in through the window. The police just um, arrived. I think the I didn't realize this was a private property, and the owners that lived next door saw our car driving in, and they called the police. But that was okay. You know, in England, you can reason with the police. They, you know, it was it was okay. Um, I was caught in China a couple times. You have to understand that in China, the trespassing is not illegal. Uh, so it, me being caught in some property, um, as long as I leave, it, it's fine. Um, just sometimes because when I was by myself and there's a lack of communication, they had to take me to the the station, police station, and they actually, the only way they could contact someone was actually my employer. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine that conversation when your employer comes <laughs> out to get you out of your the police station. Like, oh, again? <laughs> well, let's just say I had to change jobs a couple of times here in China. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. You're not going to give up your, your urban It's a way of life. life. It's a, it's a way of life. Well, I mean, just just to kind of wrap this up, I'm wondering when I uh, think back to, you know, you playing the video games and, and some of the things you mm. went through in life at that time and, and just kind of having this as sort of a, a bit of a dream and realizing that was a dream and now having done all that you've done and looking back, how mm. has this impacted you in your life personally? I was a person who was afraid to take risks. I was slowly falling asleep with my life. And the divorce, Chernobyl, finding this, just, it was like a big wake-up call. And I have really changed. Uh, this uh, gave me purpose. Um, the people that I surround myself are people who have passion for this and I love them to be, love talking to them, love exp the experience things with others. I love inspiring some. There are, I know people who started doing this because I started doing this, which is amazing. I could never even imagine in my dreams that I would be able to like inspire someone to, to try to do something. I know people who my my friend Zoe, she is a programmer. She spends all her day sitting typing code on a computer, being the biggest nerd on the planet. Yes, Zoe, you are the biggest nerd I've met. And but you know what? On the weekend, I call her fearless Zoe because she goes, climbs the fences, doesn't care about all the stuff, and then she's just like a spider woman. Thingy. Is that yeah. is that a Spider Woman? I think it's yeah. Spider Man, right? Yeah. So so um and and she started this because you know I I talked to her about what this was and then she wanted to try and she loved it and um we're going exploring this Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I'm not going to even ask you where you're going because I know you won't tell me. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I, I do want to remind people, chasing bandos podcast. Dot com Number one Urbex podcast where amazing explorers share their adventure stories. I know you're hosting that. And if you go to gregabandoned.com and you can get all the links to the Instagram and the podcast and the various things, right? Is there anything I'm missing here? 
I just wanted to say that the reason it's called chasing bandos because um, in the urbex community, bandos is the slang for abandoned places. So chasing bandos is like chasing the abandoned places. That's why it's like the, the that's the name of it. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, that's that's really it. I uh, I must say that I I I was thinking of. Um, are doing YouTube and people ask me why don't you like share the videos and, and do it on YouTube but honestly uh, Jason you know how much it takes to do the podcast so imagine like traveling um, uh, exploring having full-time job and doing the podcast and editing the podcast and I probably over edit all my and like, I say like so many times, I, I have to always cut that out. So imagine all that. It just, there's not enough time to edit videos. I tried, I had this one summer when I was a little bit less busy and I, I tried to do films, but I just couldn't. I, I don't like to start something when I'm not consistent with it. Um, so yeah, I cannot do it. I really respect the, uh, some some of the, Mm, urban explorers who are on YouTube, they have a, a bad reputation because they overexpose the place and because of them, maybe the place get ruined. Um, but I know some um, YouTubers who really try to hide everything they can. They blur stuff and just the consistency and the fact they consistently, consistently edit those videos. I know how long it takes. I really give, I really have to give them credit for that. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, this was fun, man. I, I'm so glad you reached out and appreciate you coming on and sharing mm. everything around this sort of subgenre of travel that I hadn't really, I mean, I've seen, you know, these types of pictures before, but I didn't really understand that there was a whole community around this and, mm. and really uh, kind of getting to walk in your shoes for a bit and, and see what this is like and hearing your passion for it. It was, mm. it was a real joy. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for your time today. Uh, Jason, I want to say I want to also say thanks, but I've just came to my mind. My publisher is gonna kill me if I don't mention. Can I plug my book as well? Please go for it. Oh yeah! So this month on Amazon there will be a book called Abandoned China. This is volume one out of three, and wow. uh, yeah, so that will be very soon available. I'm not sure when this podcast is gonna be out, so but this will be soon, soon, soon available. So if you wanna check it out, it's a it's not your picture type of book. It's more of a fifty fifty. So uh, you you would see all the pictures and you see the stories of those places and what happened to me when I went uh, exploring. So you would read it and see the pictures along the, along the way. I think it's pretty Amazing. Cool. <laughs> Congrats on that. Congrats on yeah, that. Fa thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure, man. I, I really, really enjoyed uh, talking to you. And uh, yeah, that was amazing. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you. Thank you for coming. It was a blast. Chat soon. There you have it. Once again, thanks to Greg for stopping by the show and sharing what was a lot of new stuff to me. And I hope you found that as fascinating as I did. I loved that chat. And if you haven't done so yet, do check out some of his pictures because that will visually bring to life a lot of the things that we discussed for you. And you'll get a sense of what some of these places are like. And certainly put some new styles of travel, some new things to consider adventures to consider for future travel. So thank you very much, Greg. Now we have a couple things to get into here. I did mention at the top, I would share a bit about my 
urban exploration light, very light. I don't know, when I was talking to Greg and reflecting on this conversation, it brought to mind one experience I had in that city with the most neon lights in the world of any city. That is Tokyo, at least according to the internet. It's what it says, Tokyo, Japan. And I was staying there for uh, about four days on a, on a sort of a stopover thing with a buddy of mine. And he is the kind of guy that will push the boundaries and go into places he's not supposed to just to have those experiences. And he wanted to do that. He figured out, I, I can't remember exactly if it was the hotel we were staying in or another hotel, but we somehow found out that there was some construction going on in the upper levels. I believe it was the hotel we were staying in. And I don't know how we figured this out, but he, he decided, well, let's, let's go up and see. Let's go see this, these, uh, these unfinished floors because we'll have this crazy view of the city. And we're like, well, we're probably not supposed to do that. Well, of course we weren't. And I don't even think the elevator took us there. I don't remember exactly what happened. I know we tried the stairs, doors were locked, things like that. But we eventually made it onto this floor that was still being constructed, which felt thrilling <laughs> in many ways. It was so cool to be in a place we weren't supposed to be. And looking out over the city, I mean, this didn't even have windows, I don't think, built in yet. So it, it was very, it, it kind of felt very sort of dangerous in a way, but not super crazy. We weren't walking on beams or anything. There was a floor. But it was just cool to be there. So... Uh, that was uh, a little experience I had on my travels, just a small taste of urban exploration, and I can see the thrill in it. I really can. So if this podcast inspired you to do anything different or just think about anything differently or you had any questions or you just had any thoughts or you just want to say hi. You can drop me a line. Leave me a message. Better yet, I am so fortunate that I've been getting some voicemails recently from listeners. Thank you very much. And I'm going to share this one I got from Helen, who found a very cool way to take her show on the road, which reminded me of four words that may be a way you can take your show on the road in the near future or the far future or maybe today. Who knows? Here she is all the way from Australia. Hey, Jason. How you doing? Um... This is Helen. I'm from Australia, and I've been listening to your show for a couple, few years now, actually. Not even a couple of years. It's been a few years, and I've just, like, absolutely loved it, and it's been super inspirational for me because I just, like, yeah, travel is where it's at. <laughs> um, I'm a musician and a music producer, and myself and my fiancé, Courtney, recently just put our recording studio. Um, it was in a warehouse at the Gold Coast, um, and we just put it in a bus, and now we're traveling around with a recording studio and a bus because we're like, yeah, stuff being still, that's like lame and boring. <laughs> COVID's been like hard. Like it's like nearly three years now since I went overseas and I'm like, holy shit. But um, yeah, I just thought I'd just say hey and say thanks for your show. It's like awesome, and um, I really appreciate it, and it's helped me to just be like, nah, stuff this I'm quitting my job again <laughs> so many times in the past, and now I'm doing this. So thanks, man. Have a good one. Thank you, Helen. And what's the lesson here? What's the four words I want to share? Well, she she put her recording studio, her and her fiancé just put it in a bus. Put it on wheels. Four words. Put it on wheels. That's what they did. <laughs> Took their recording studio and put it on wheels. I've talked to... Uh, people in the past, I remember I did an interview once with a guy. You can find it actually on the premium feed. He was a therapist and he decided to just do his therapy out of a camper van, which added a whole other 
dynamic to the therapy sessions because he would just be meeting people in random cities. So what did he do? He took his therapy practice and put it on wheels. I mean, I've seen nail salons on wheels, hair salons, all kinds of things on wheels. You probably have too. So I just wanted to share this voicemail from Helen, fellow community member, fellow listener here, and just put that those four words out there because you never know when these words hit people's ears. Perhaps one day there'll be something I want to put on wheels or you might want to put something on wheels and maybe if we just think, put it on wheels, that opens up a whole different uh, idea. Anyway, <laughs> just wanted to share that and give her a shout out. Thank you, Helen. Again, you can leave me a voicemail. There's a link in every show notes. No email required. Just click the link. It takes 90 seconds or less. You just hit record and start talking. And I listen to all of them and I reply to all of them. So drop me a voicemail. Much easier than, than email, actually. And I get to hear your voice. And I'll send you a personal message back. So do that if you have some time. Just say hi, share your story, share some feedback. Let me know what guests you want me to have on. You can always, of course, get in touch as well. Jason at zerototravel.com. Now, let me leave you with this quote. Do you remember during the interview when Greg was talking about this beauty in decay, which I, I totally see. And I, I found this quote interesting from David Hume, who said, beauty in things exists in the mind which contemplates them. So you can contemplate that as we let you go. Smile, have a wonderful day. Thanks again for tuning in. And I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.